0: dum 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 dum, dum. Here to talk. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Z Detox. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, hi, welcome, I'm Firdaus. I'm Sarah. And today we are joined with Omar and again, I will stop talking as always and I let our guest introduce himself and then I'll tell you all about today's episode. So hi Omar, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, Firdaus. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Just to give you a kind of a brief background on who I am, my name is Omar Popal. Um, I am a first-generation Afghan American living in the United States um, from San Diego, California. Grew up there, went to college at UCSD in California as well. Um, And I'm currently a first-year medical student at California Health Sciences University in Fresno, California. Um, I also uh, make TikToks on the side, like to do that for fun um, and do my best to really raise awareness as to what's happening around the world whether it be in afghanistan palestine um, a lot of the different countries uh, in the middle east and um, southwest asia north africa that are really suffering Um, so thank you all for having me
0: thank you so much for joining us and guys as always we will have um, omar's um, social links and everything in the description box and obviously we will post them on our social media so check everything out after listening to the podcast but anyway, as you can have already told, told yeah. Anyway, as you can have told, ooh, I don't know English. Wait, <laughs> um, as you can, what what do you want to say? I can maybe say it for you. No, yeah, no. It just like it got almost up in my head. Wait, what's will start again. Um, okay, as you can guys have already seen on the podcast. Title today we're talking about Afghanistan and everything that has been going on in the late in the latest um two weeks. And yeah, so first of all, I'm just going to explain a bit what I understood of what's happening and then I'll ask you, Omar, to um correct me in everything that I said wrong, to add everything, you know, just because we have no idea, to be honest, what about what is going on? Especially because we are just so bombarded with news, um, the media, um, everything in general, like social media. Right now, is just really filled with a lot of opinions, and so it makes it difficult to understand what is really going on. So basically, what I got from everything that's happening is that all this started um, twenty years ago, and maybe before that. Um, So the US, what I know is that the US um, deployed its troops and military things to Afghanistan after 9-11. And then they started fighting, quote unquote, um, the Taliban's and it got where we are here. And now 20 years after that, Biden just said, hey, we're going back home and that's it. But what I also know is that before that um the Soviet tried uh to conquer maybe um Afghanistan, but they couldn't. So after that started the Taliban. So it's just a lot of things. So am I getting something right? Am I completely wrong? What is going on? <laughs>
1: yeah you're totally good i think that's a good start and good foundation for a lot of people who aren't very familiar with the issue um, most of where the current issue lies is centered around the taliban um, and yes there was the soviet invasion of afghanistan and that was a little while back uh, before that and really when the taliban took power it was around 1996 to 2001 um, and really after 9 11 is when Afga- um, the united states decided to invade afghanistan and to of quote-unquote fight the al-qaeda and the taliban or the terrorists Um, and that's really what brought us to where we are today and that's what led to those 20 years of war and you're correct biden said hey we're good to leave afghanistan things are fine Um, and the second they announced their departure uh, this is when the taliban started to retake control of a lot of the land they started to reinvade afghanistan Um, and a lot of it from an afghan's point of view is really hurtful because a lot of this was predominantly planned there were so many politics that went into this if um, you watched as the taliban kind of took back over afghanistan there was no fighting um there was very little resistance and so it's almost as if this was planned out to the t so that the taliban would easily be able to take over and the taliban really took afghanistan in the course of a week um And so that's essentially what happened. And now what everyone is fearing is that Afghanistan is going to be what it was 20 years ago. And that was a very dark time for our society because there was lots of limitations on women's rights, um, a very limited education, Um, people really weren't free to do whatever they pleased. It was more so you live under this strict society. Um, and you have to conform to these standards, otherwise you risk um, getting beaten, you risk getting murdered, Uh, you really just had to follow whatever the Taliban's rules were.
0: Um, And let me add to this, and again correct me if I'm wrong, Um, so what a lot of people are seeing, how they are seeing this, especially um, conservative Americans really into politics, is that um, when the United States was back in Afghanistan. Um, they were the saviors. They, they they gave freedom to women there and children and gave in um, Afghans um, their rights back. Is that true? Is it not true? I don't think it's true because it's like you, the United States somewhere else, especially in the Middle East, they never do anything good. But yeah, what is your take here?
1: Yeah, it's not. I think the way that the U.S. portrays it is that before them, Afghanistan was a very uh, kind of beastly place and a place that no one really wanted to live. But that's not necessarily true at all. Um, Because prior to the invasion of the Taliban and prior to the war with the Soviets and everything like that, Afghanistan was a very thriving country. It was a very beautiful place. Um, To this day, it still has many beautiful areas. It's just very war-torn. And so when it comes to the U.S. saying, hey, we gave them these rights and we did this, um, in reality, the past 20 years, there's still been so many bombings, so many um, kind of fights that come up between the Taliban and the US that's caught uh, a lot of civilians in the crossfire and killed a lot of innocent Afghan people. And so when they say we did a lot of good, at the end of the day, they came for 20 years, they caused so many civilian deaths, and then they just left to then give the country back to the Taliban. So in reality, if you look at it, the past 20 years was nothing. The US really did nothing. when it comes to looking at what life was like under their rule. I have family in Afghanistan and they were able to live their normal lives. They really didn't have a concern. They went to weddings. um, They had family gatherings. They had picnics. They did everything a normal person would do. Um, But they always had the fear in the back of their mind that if they go to a busy market square, there's a possibility that there might be a bombing. My cousins would always hear, um, or not hear, but be close to where suicide bombers would be. Um, Mm -hmm. And those events are just scary because you never know if it's going to be you and every day you hear something on the news, you're like, there was another suicide bombing. Why was there another one? Because the Taliban are still trying to create problems and do things that'll continue this war.
0: That is interesting. And um, from another perspective that I have been seeing, um, especially on Twitter, is that people outside of Afghanistan, This I haven't seen anyone say this within Afghanistan, but they're saying that Afghans living in Afghanistan Some of them are okay with the Taliban having the power because now there is no bombings and like there's no life threatening situation, if um, you may. But I don't know, like what's going on from the inside, like how people are living this from the inside?
1: Yeah. And so one thing that I would like to say is that I didn't say in the very beginning is I currently again do not live in Afghanistan so it's hard for me to say this is what the people all want so my view is also has its own boundaries um, and I just wanted to convey that so that no one thinks I'm trying to speak for all the Afghan people Um, but what I would say regarding your question when you talk specifically about what is going on from the inside and kind of that propaganda being spread about the Taliban and how people are happy about their rule. Um, There are certain groups and I would say like small villages who do agree with some of what they're doing. However, ultimately, if you look at the majority sentiment and how the people feel in Afghanistan, almost very, very few are okay with what is going to be happening moving forward. For one, I would find it extremely surprising if any woman or child was very happy about the Taliban coming back into power, because realistically, this takes away all their rights. They'll have to wear burqas everywhere they go. They won't even be able to show their face. Um, and again, for everyone who knows Islam, that isn't something that is Islamic value. The aura, the face is allowed to be shown. Like that's part of the aura. Yes. right?
2: It's actually good that you mention it because we had another thing coming to Sharia law and everything else because a lot of people actually think that bulqas are obligatory and mandatory in Islam. And can we just say first that there is nothing in Islam that you can you can force onto anyone? Not beliefs, not not anything. And people have to understand that the Taliban, what they're doing, it's not from Islam. It's like you say, it's like the KKK, it's not from Islam. You know, like, it's not a Christian thing. We do, you know, like ISIS, you can't just link it with Islam because they say Allahu Akbar and all those things.
1: Yeah. And to add to that, the Taliban, I would like to say they're not an Islamic group. They're a religious extremist group. So and at the end of the day, they're a terrorist organization and people need to not give them that legitimacy of saying, hey, this group is doing this because they don't follow actual Sharia law. What they do is they take what they want and they push it to the extreme in a way that oppresses women, that oppresses society as a whole. And they want to do things the way that they think it fits Islam. But a lot of them have been very radicalized. A lot of them have been involved in suicide bombings. Anyone who's Muslim knows that suicide is not allowed in Islam. And so a lot of these things that they do go against the foundational beliefs that we have. Um, And what
0: a lot of people fail... to realize is that i'm sounding like the tiktok okay <laughs> nothing <laughs> um there's, there's a tiktok that i love okay anyway let's continue <laughs> what a lot say, of people fail to, to realize to is that I-, I send it to you later what a lot of people <laughs> fail to realize is that even in the west um there are religious extremists inside governments like, um, just in Spain or France or Belgium, um, there are a lot of political parties that their quote-unquote foundation, because it's not, um, it's uh, linked to Christianity or Orthodox Christianity, um, especially in in Eastern Europe. Um, but yeah, so people don't realize that, that they are living in a country where this is happening here too. And they just see it as something from the other, something so far away that we shouldn't care. Like they are just backwards, you know, what people tend to say. But yeah, it's just um, an insight on this. (laughs) Um, But changing, well, not changing topic, but continuing with this, and at the same time um, going inside another topic, which is media coverage. I want to ask you, how do you feel um, seeing that the media, um, both in Europe and North America is focusing this issue solely on um, women's rights and even like sometimes they include they include children but I would say like maybe 10% of the time how do you feel about this they are for me they are just um, summarizing a whole um complex topic into hey see what these people are doing they are taking women's rights away and that's it
1: yeah, I would say it. That is a fair kind of portrayal regarding women's rights because women's rights will be the very first thing to be stripped. That one hundred percent, they will be in their house a the majority of the time. Very few will actually be able to go to work and work for a living. Um, and so, that to me. The part about it that sucks is that this is a humanitarian crisis. It's not just a women's rights crisis. Um, So at the end of the day, yes, women's rights will be the first to go. But the Afghan people as a whole will not be able to thrive or flourish under the rule of the Taliban. And as maybe both of you have seen, they've been showing a lot of images in the media about people trying to escape Afghanistan and to get on the planes that are leaving. But what they show is them helping people in kind of you see that image of um, a U.S. or a soldier from any country, whatever country, um, carrying a baby over this gate and they're saving the baby. They're taking the baby to another country, to America, whatever they're doing. But if you really look at the situation, you're taking a baby and you're separating it from its parent because you're saying, oh, this baby's life, if we bring this baby, ultimately, The baby will be able to contribute to society and do all these things. So why are you separating a child from its parent? Like that should be the ultimate crime. And on top of that, I've seen a lot of photos and videos from individuals who are on on the ground in Afghanistan near the airport waiting to get on a plane. And they're being given very little food and resources. I even saw a photo of one individual who said they threw this food at us. And on the label, it had pork written on it. However, a lot of those people can't read. So if they can't read, they're just going to eat the food. And unfortunately, it's in a situation where they need it. And so they have to because they're literally at the point of starving. Um, But at the same point in time, why are these things okay? And why are they doing this without any consequence? Um, a lot of them have been treated very poorly they've had guns pointed at them while they're waiting um and a lot of individuals have just been shot and killed trying to get on these planes granted nothing is happening in a civil manner but at this point in time a lot of people are scared for their lives a lot of people have done things that would the taliban would find to be um basically unforgivable or um would constitute like stoning or being beaten to death or being shot and so a lot of these people are fearful, fearful for their lives and you can even see a lot of um one of the images portrayed in the media as well was an uh, a couple Afghan i believe it was three two or three afghan individuals who were holding on the plane and once the plane was in the sky they fell out of the sky and some people were making fun of it and doing things like that but I think that's extremely insensitive and rude because what they don't understand and what they don't even try to understand is the amount of desperation that someone has to have to hold on to a plane in hopes that it will land and that they'll still be alive. But honestly, when I thought of that situation, what I thought is this person accepted that death is better than me continuing to live here. And that's uh, yeah. that's at the end of the day how I was just going
2: to talk about that onto um, the two guys that clung onto a plane you have to understand that they think that there is hope if they actually clung onto the plane and they, it's crazy. I was actually on Instagram and I saw the other day that Etsy was making t-shirts or like individuals were selling t-shirts on Etsy with the two guys falling off the plane and with, with the text on it. And I was like, how inhuman, how inhuman can someone be to actually start selling such a t-shirt? To actually know that these two guys clung onto a plane plane to save their lives or to, in hopes to die or something better than what they're doing and what they're, the situation that they're in. And you are actually here making fun of it and selling t-shirts and making profit out of it. How, how can someone actually be like that? It just disgusts me to be honest
1: yeah i completely agree with you and the way that they're profiting on it too is what's even more sickening so they're literally using our people's suffering to further their own agenda and to make their own profits which america has capitalized so much on the war in afghanistan the way that um, the stocks and things like that related to war have increased over the last 20 years it's made a lot of people a lot of money and who are these individuals it's a lot of rich senators, congressmen, a lot of people in kind of the upper ranks of society. Um, And so ultimately, the value of Afghan lives is very little. And that's something that we have continued to see. And as an Afghan individual, I've had a very difficult time getting other people to stand up for Afghan rights and also to really just hear what we're saying. I feel like a lot of people have only heard and really seen Afghanistan in the last two to three weeks. However, this isn't the first time that we've really been vocalizing what's been happening in Afghanistan. There's been so many bombings um, and targeted attacks towards um, the Hazara minority, which is one of the uh, minority groups in Afghanistan, um, towards Shias as well. And so there's been a lot of attacks in general in Afghanistan that we always try to bring awareness to, but it sounds like nobody ever cares and no one really continues to amplify our voices. And so these are... These are just some ways where it's like afghans continue to feel like we're brought down because at the end of the day people are just capitalizing on us and then they really just don't care about what happens to us at the end of the day
2: although i think social Um, media sucks sorry to um no, no it's okay um they do have a lot of effect that we can amplify other voices because before this, I didn't know what's, what was going on in Afghanistan. And I started doing my own research. I even asked people on my story, like, please, if you know something, please let me know. And I had people send me all these articles, videos to watch, to actually, like, educate myself. And as much as social media can suck in a lot of ways and have a lot of negative factors, it is a source to actually educate you on certain things happening, uh, certain accounts that you follow that actually update you, um. For example, the account Eyes of Palestine or Eyes for Palestine, for example, it shows you everything that's been going on in Palestine at the moment. And you feel really up to date with everything. So one question for you, how do you feel like, do you feel that social media is doing enough at the moment for Afghanistan?
1: I think it really depends who you're looking at in particular. Because overall, right now, there's a lot of awareness being drawn to the issue of Afghanistan. And there's been a lot of great efforts. Like, I will not lie. I have been very happy just over the last kind of few days about the amount of money that's being raised um, and the amount of awareness that's being brought to Afghanistan. But at the end of the day, right now, as an Afghan, it really feels like too little, too late, because we were trying to get people's attention before Afghanistan was fully taken over, before the Taliban had every... Um, every district just about. And so now, yeah, there is good media coverage and it's being at least talked about, but a lot of it is kind of just US politicians talking about it. And really at the end of the day, they only care about their bottom line. And then when it comes to kind of um, what I've seen, at least from my TikTok and from what all of my friends have seen, a lot of people have only been talking about it since it's kind of become trendy. And so at the end of the day, whoever whatever somebody's intentions are that's their own but if you're going to be posting about it at least post resources don't just make a video to say i stand with afghanistan because you just saying you stand with them that's such performative activism where if you're not posting resources links on how to donate post to share like you don't have to donate money if you don't have the resources that's fine but there's so many other things that you can do and so i think that's where i feel like we as muslims as a whole have been struggling is really to actually do things as opposed to just saying we stand with this group just so that we don't become outcasts in society because at the end of the day if you don't jump on the trend or say that you support a group you're going to people are going to say things about you and so that's what i feel like a lot of people have been doing it for and then i have also noticed some muslim creators who've been stepping up and also posting resources and links and things like that Um, but it's just taken a long time for us to get to this point and to be able to see that
2: that is a really
0: good point and i was going to ask you about this about how you feel now that um yes afghanistan is receiving all media coverage and the attention it really needs but at the same time we we don't know who is doing this who is sharing just because to not be called um racist for example and who is sharing because they want to share you know and another point that i see that i i've realized a lot in people especially on social media not so much in real life is that they justify the fact that they don't post about um something about Afghanistan for example now or they don't talk about it with others because they don't know about it you know they don't know about what's going on and in my opinion i don't know if you would share this is that i think it's really really easy to um get informed and to know what's going on especially because there are afghan activists who have been posting about this like nonstop well for a lot of years but especially now you know um so you could have just follow them just um click on the hashtag afghanistan or the hashtag save afghanistan or something you will find a lot of posts a lot of resources so it's for me it's not an excuse that they you don't know about the subject to talk about it
2: it's actually a very poor excuse when you say i don't know what's going on it's literally google has everything you're looking for it's such a poor excuse if you don't know how to use google which in this case i don't think i know like my cousin who who's two who's she's two years she knows how to work google and youtube and everything perfectly so we as 20 year olds we have no excuse in saying we don't know what's going on do your research if you don't know if you don't know if the research is correct go ask someone go ask someone to educate you we have all the sources that we need to actually get educated on every in every topic so like you said Figdaus, there's no excuse for you not to actually do your research and know what's been going on
1: yeah i i completely agree i think that excuse is very outdated, in a sense. Um, and a lot of people still try to use it and use that as a guise to really just not care. And if it's something that you don't care about, say you don't care. Like, Be honest, because don't just say, I I don't know. Like you all are saying, there's so many resources. You could follow one Afghan activist. Don't follow all 30. Don't follow the 50. Don't follow all the main ones. Find one, find one that you like, and find one that posts information that's reliable and not biased. Because at the end of the day, you wanna see things from as neutral as a point of view. Granted, neutrality is something that's really non-existent in society, because I think we are very polarized to think either one way or another. But at the end of the day, it's a humanitarian crisis, and it's literally every day there are lives being lost. And so it's something that's very easy to get educated about, And even if you don't get educated on the full history of Afghanistan, that's completely fine. You don't need to go and learn about the Soviet invasion. Like, we're not asking you to go and become a politician in Afghanistan. That's not what the Afghan people are asking. The Afghan people are saying, can you try your best to learn what's happening right now? Understand what is going on right now. Why are people suffering and how are they suffering? And what can we do to help? That's really all that we're really asking for and looking for because we can't expect everyone to go become a professional and major in law and politics and like same thing with palestine when we see injustices in palestine we look at what's happening right now we look at what the israeli government is doing to innocent palestinians and even what israeli settlers are doing and that's the issue that we address we're asking for that same support and that same understanding Like, if I talk to someone, I want them to be able to tell me, oh, yeah, I know the Taliban is a religious extremist group. Okay, like that's the first step. You know what they are. And do you know what they're doing? Yeah, they're taking away women's rights. Um, They're essentially oppressing society as a whole. uh, And they're implementing their version of Sharia law, which is not the actual Sharia law. And what do we need to do to help? We need to raise awareness. We need to accept more refugees because at this point, the country is so destabilized, it's hard to say, let's go fix it. And again, Afghans don't want America to come back and try to fix this issue because they tried to do it for 20 years. And obviously they failed. Obviously they did nothing.
2: I don't think any country wants America's intervention. Let's just start there. So (laughs) that's just a very good point to make. Actually, I'm very happy that you mentioned the part about uh, when people actually say, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, the, the the history is too complicated. You don't need to know the whole history. Just know what's been going on now. And a little part of the history to what led what's been going on at the moment. Because I had a lot of friends actually talking about, um, not talking about Palestine. I was like, well, do you want me to explain? They were like, it's too complicated. I don't want to know. I'm like, what is too complicated about what's been happening in Palestine at the moment? The killings of innocent children, innocent people. It's... Everyone, like, what's so complicated about that? They're like, yeah, um, Israelis get killed too. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to get into that discussion because I think you have to be so ignorant to ignore the fact that you cannot compare the two situations with each other. You can, you just cannot, it, It's you know, you have to compare two things that are similar to each other. What's been happening to Israelis is not what's been happening to Palestinians. And... happy that you made that point that guys you don't have to know the whole history just know what's been going on now share the resources reliable resources about what's been going on at the moment not what's been happening from 100 years just the last few months
0: that's all we're asking um so guys you were just talking about refugees and it occurred to me um after seeing a lot of posts and all that on social media about how people and I've said it as well, um, that if the Western countries, especially the US, do doesn't want to have refugees in their country, especially now, um, they shouldn't create them. What is your take on this? Um what's we'll that with Omar and then we'll um pass to Sarah. But yeah, what is your take on the refugees topic?
1: Yeah, when it comes to refugees, I think um one of the issues that we have in America is that a lot of people feel very entitled to what they have and they don't really consider that you really just got lucky with where you were born and the situation you were born in. When it comes to refugees, the reason they're refugees is because they need to escape where they're living um, and there's a particular reason, whatever it is, regarding if it's their safety or for anything else. Like These individuals need a home and the place they currently live in is not a home that can sustain them or one that will be safe for them in the long run. Um, When it comes to the issue in Afghanistan and refugees, the U.S. has created the need for there to be so many refugees. Um, And so when it comes to that, ultimately, you have to take responsibility for what you've done. The U.S. has destabilized Afghanistan for the past 20 years. Um, They have played such a huge role in making Afghanistan a place where Um, individuals will not be able to thrive moving forward, um, as well as their kind of peace talks and quote unquote things like that with the Taliban. um, That's really just all gone downhill. And it's really become clear to society that all of that was for show. And so as a result, there's so many refugees currently who are just looking for a way to survive and for a way to live. So many kids just want a future. They don't even know what a future is. Some of them don't even have that concept in their heads yet. They're just wanting a full stomach. And so, the fact that they can't get that where they currently live and the way that we have those resources in the US and so many other European and non-European countries, um it should really be deemed rec- like An essential necessity for them to accept a greater number of refugees even more than they're accepting right now Um, so personally even though it's easier said than done um, i would say there's no (laughs) there's no shortage on the amount of money that the us has um, and this is something that they really just need to step up and take responsibility for what they've done and to accept more refugees
0: and also to add to that um people don't know that non-european poor countries are um, having like are welcoming more refugees than Europe and North America are Turkey. Um, so yeah, Turkey for example. But n- not even Turkey. I'm talking like about um, neighbors countries who are also at the verge of wars or like they have a lot of political conflicts and all that. Um, so we tend, well, yeah, we tend because I live in Europe too, so I will include myself. We tend to see um, that. Um, people only want to come to Europe because we are better, um, when it's not true. Um, we are not better than anyone. Um, but I, what I wanted to say with that is um, we are also sold the, um, say, the propaganda that we don't have space, that um, people just want to come here to, say, steal our jobs, um, like take um, government um, grants and things like that when it's not true, it's, it's simply not true. And most of the times it's just um, a strategy that political parties use to, u- to use your vote um, against other people, If that ma- I hope it makes sense. But yeah, that is my take on this.
2: <laughs> Actually, um, you mentioned that um, we're not better than anyone. Definitely agree, you shouldn't, we're not better than anyone. However, if we're gonna be talking about Europe itself, Europe does have a lot of advantages that that, that isn't in America, for example, um, or in the Middle East, for example, the healthcare system. Let's talk about that. Education system. I don't have to pay a lot of money to get into college or university. It costs me approximately around 1,080 euros. And I even get money from the government in Belgium to help me pay, to help me actually cover all the costs of university and extra costs to help me get a laptop, uh, get all the appliances that I need for university or for my studies. Uh, and if you actually live in dorms, I don't, I just live at home. But if you actually live at home uh, dorms, you get even more money to help you cover the costs of the dorm. Of course, it shouldn't be too expensive because you won't be able to help yourself, but they do help you. And to- going back to the refugees now, um, I live in uh, Belgium and they uh, do have a lot of refugees. However, talking to Belgian people about it, they are so negative when it comes to refugees. Uh, They just hate them. And once I had a talk with a friend and I was like, tell me, what's your problem with them? Like, what, like, they are fleeing for for their lives because their country is full of war. I have met so many Syrians, Palestinians, so many refugees, and they're one of the most hardworking people I know. Let's talk about Egypt. Egypt has so many Syrians and most of them, mashallah, they have big, big businesses, mostly food businesses in Egypt. And since things that even Egyptians can't even bother to do or even can't even do, let alone people fleeing from their countries and missing their countries and actually starting a life somewhere else and not being able to visit their countries due to the war going on there. And we have many refugee centers in Belgium. And... A lot of people hate them, but I'm like, yo, if we are the ones creating the refugees, don't be surprised that we should accept them too and help them. Okay, I do agree that for ex- we have, for example, refugees that don't want to work. They don't want to learn the language. They just want to earn money from the government and just live like that. I will get that if, for example, of course that's still horrible for uh, refugees, but I mean, I will get that in a sense of there are Belgians out there struggling and they don't get any money from the government.
0: But there are many... No, but I have to disagree with you in that so much, in the fact that um, there are people who are like that everywhere. And um, the fact that we just focus on refugees or immigrants of color is because of racism. And because we uh, tend to change the narrative and say, hey, yeah, we know that we have all the shitty problems in our country with our own, well own people, quote unquote, say um, in Europe, like white Europeans, Um, but we're not going to focus on that. Let's focus on the poor immigrant who came here because he has nothing else to, like he can't survive in his um, birth country. So let's focus on him because he gives us more problems that our white Europeans do. So I think that is a racist narrative that again, politicians use, you know, and when it comes to reality, um, those people are maybe one in a thousand, one in five thousand. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I think but,
1: yeah. To add to that point, I think that's not even the core of the issue. The core of the issue is it's a humanitarian crisis, and that there are so many people who just don't have the resources to live and. I don't even think we should think about it And oh, can these people work and contribute to the economy or do whatever? Because at the end of the day, these people are human beings and they'll do what they need to do to survive. And a lot of these people who are fleeing from these countries, they're not entitled. They don't have a sense of entitlement that we have in these Western ideologies where, oh, we deserve this. We worked hard for our money. We did this. Um, because at the end of the day, they come from such a different background and such a different kind of way of thought that you can't compare the two. It's similar to how racism is in America and in the healthcare system. Um, You see so many different issues and the treatment of different minorities and individuals from different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we all deserve an equal opportunity um, or resources to put us at an equal footing so that we can thrive and succeed. If you give someone the resources to do well in life, then at the end of the day, it's their decision as to if they're going to make the most of it or if they're not. However, we shouldn't use that as a limiting factor for us accepting or not accepting refugees. I think that's kind of part of the narrative, uh, Sarah, like that you brought up is that a lot of times people are like, Oh yeah, let's bring all these young people because they can contribute to our society. Because at the end of the day, They're people. They're human beings. You shouldn't just see them as a way to make money. Because again, that's just how the West and these Western societies capitalize off of poorer countries. They just bring people who they know can work. It's similar to how the U.S. brings in migrant workers from Mexico. Um, That's a very common thing that they do because they can pay them very little and they know that they'll work hard and they'll follow the rules. Um, And so... And that's not even an issue, that's not even a refugee topic, that's a completely separate topic, but that's just one example that I wanted to use to prove the point.
0: No, yeah, it happens the same in Spain. Um, there are some kind of works, like um, in farms and um, in collecting fruits and vegetables when it comes its time, um, you don't see white Spaniards working there. You only see North Africans and um, so uh, like. All from Africa, you know, I forgot the word, like South uh well, South Africa and just Africa in general, um, workers there. And it's because people here don't even consider working there. They would prefer saying, Oh no, we don't have any jobs, I can't find any job, than going and working there because they know how like hard it is to just like do a shift in those kind of conditions. And at the same time, as you say, Omar, um, they have well, people who own those farms and all that, they have the the privilege and the luxury to not pay um, fairly their workers. So that is a bonus for them, you know? But yeah, just wanted to add that there. And at the same time, um, I want to dig more into the refugees topic, just with one um, new that I read. And that is that the US, France and Canada and the UK they are limiting these, their space, their supposed space to welcome um, refugees. And the, and like they are the first countries, again, I'm going back to my first point, they are the first countries who um, bombed and financed like, terrorist groups in the Middle East. So what do you think about that? And what should we as individuals um, living in those countries do about it?
1: Sorry for those. Um, I just want to make sure I understood your question. Could you just rephrase it?
0: Yeah. So basically, um, it turns out that France, the UK, the US, and Canada, those four countries, are um, limiting their space. They are saying, hey, we don't have a lot of space to welcome refugees. That is not true. We know that. We have unlimited resources to welcome everyone. but they are the first countries who um, financed terrorist groups in the Middle East, who um, colonized Middle Eastern countries, and basically who destroyed the Middle East in general. Um, so, how you see this, and what as um, individuals living in those countries, well, in all Europe slash North America, what can we do about this? Like, how can we change that? How can we make pressure? if you will, um, to say, hey, no, that is not true. We have all this space. Please let those people come.
1: Yeah, I don't. And that's, a, I think, a pretty complex issue. And I think it's something that obviously won't be able to be fixed overnight. Um, however, when it does come to that, I know a lot of Afghans right now have been Um, promoting uh, individuals in the U.S. and other countries to reach out to their senators and their congressmen and women um, to really lift that cap on refugees, to lift the number of individuals that they say they're going to accept. Um, And I think that kind of circles back to our earlier conversation, because right now it's It's so easy to get caught up in the swing of things and say, oh my God, this is all the crazy things going on in this moment. But what we need to do also is think about the future and think about how we can potentially have an impact on the future. I think so much of that is getting involved in more so local politics, um, making sure that we have good people running for Congress and making sure that proper individuals are getting elected. In the US elections, we only had two choices. We only had Trump or Biden. We picked the worst of the two evils, but regardless, Afghans and Middle Easterns across the board, we knew that neither of them were going to benefit us. Neither of them cared about us as people. So we really didn't have a good choice. Um, so at the end of the day, when people try to say, oh, you should have voted for Trump, he would have not done this. You don't know that. Nobody knows what could have happened, what would have happened. But what we can do is look ahead, moving forward. Let's get more Muslim individuals in like those seats in Congress. Let's advocate for those individuals, support one another, build one another. So much of what I've seen in the Muslim community is a lot of dragging people down. Um, and it's really hard to see individuals thrive and succeed. People always find a flaw. People always find a flaw. And that's expected because we're not perfect individuals. If any Muslim says they're a perfect individual, they genuinely should be slapped in the face. Because I don't if you're saying that, that's already a problem. That's already a problem. And so when it comes to the issue of um, these countries, uh, the US, Canada, France, the UK, all of them accepting refugees, I think it's it just shows how backwards their policies are, how backwards the individuals are who currently hold those positions of power and that's what we have to look at changing so right now we can put pressure on those individuals by blowing up their phones um excuse my language because that could be construed a different way Um, (laughs) but really just looking at um not just putting pressure on them as society getting more individuals to care because if all afghans did it that wouldn't be enough because that's we Together, we have a strong voice, but it's not enough. And that's why we always call on the ummah and we call on even non-Muslims to, hey, raise your voice for what's happening in Afghanistan. Angelina Jolie has been an amazing example. She made an Instagram account just to talk about the issues going on in Afghanistan that's a real advocate. That's someone who cares about the issue. And so looking at that, we need individuals who have that kind of mentality to hold those positions of power. And until we can do that, because like I said, it's not going to happen overnight, all we can do is continue to put pressure on those who currently have everything in their hands.
2: There's one thing that scares yeah. me, to be honest, with the whole thing going on. It's mostly that like Palestine, it will become a trend to post about it for three, four weeks, and then it's just going to lower down and nobody's going to hear anything about it unless you actually keep posting about it and keep amplifying other people's voices. And I feel like this is a humanitarian crisis, not something we talk about in three weeks, and it dies down and nobody hears anything about it. It's It has to be talked about until there's actual change. hmm
1: but that's um, the thing, it will, it will die down. It's, it's already dying down. I'll tell you that on social is. media, every, every Muslim creator, they made their video, they spoke up for two minutes about it, and I doubt we'll see anything from them again until something major happens or, or until something newsworthy happens. The only thing that's being talked about in the media right now is how are we going to get the U.S. individuals out of Afghanistan? Once everyone in the U.S. is out and things like that, they're going to turn a blind eye. Like that's going to happen. I'm telling you guys right now, um, the trend is already dying. And so we're doing our best to try to make the most of while Afghanistan is a trend and try to bring as much attention and awareness to what's going on so that people who do care and who can um, have an impact will be able to do so.
0: And we don't realize that we hold a lot of privilege living in the West. And I'm not talking that you have to be a man or you have to be white to to say that you have privilege. No, as Muslims living in the West, we, we have that much privilege that we can do a lot with it. You know, just like, oh no, yeah, I'm Muslim, no one is going to hear me or anything. No, just talk about it, seriously. And I've always said it, it doesn't matter if you have two or 2,000 followers anywhere, just talk about it someone is going to either learn about the, what's happening, share it with someone else, or you don't know, you don't know if they know someone who can make a change, a notable change, you know, so just keep talking about it.
2: It's good that you mention it, because I posted one, uh, one uh, thread on Instagram about Afghanistan, and I had so many people actually reply to me, thank you, that was so helpful. I'm going to share it too and I'm going to share it with some friends. And that made me so happy because I contributed to them educating themselves about such an important topic. And it's a sm- it takes like five minutes of your time to do your research on it. And for everyone saying five minutes is not enough, okay, it's not enough, but it is enough to actually understand a, a small bit of what's going on and sharing it amplifying other people's voices it will be enough.
0: Yeah. And um, changing topics, still in Afghanistan, but let's talk about unprivileged um, privilege and um the way, the White Savior complex and that we have seen a lot on especially on TikTok because people love to give to give their opinion on TikTok and um yeah, basically as non-Afghans um, both Sarah and I, we've been talking about this. We feel we are really pissed, and how um white non-Muslims are taking this um topic, especially with the the Sharia thing. Um, so how do you feel about people focusing the whole subject on the Sharia and oh look at the Taliban—they are taking um women's rights away. They are not letting them um work or have an education. Yada yada yada.
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to that, at least from what I've seen regarding non-Muslims that I've seen pretty positive things, at least within my own community circles, things like that. I've seen a lot of people posting good information, um, resharing good stories. Uh, Granted, it took them some time as well, and they kind of also did it at the same time as everybody else. Um, But for those individuals who are making it about Sharia and making about things like that, they're continuing to paint Afghanistan as a whole in a really bad light. And that makes it so hard because then if I go up to someone and I tell them I'm Afghan, the first thing that's going to go through their head is, Oh, this person believes in Sharia. Oh, this person has these backwards views. It makes it really hard then to even want to identify as Afghan because you know, all of these negative connotations that are associated with it. Um, Whenever you tell someone you're from Afghanistan in the last 20 years, um, I've had people before this issue tell me, Oh, I'm so happy you don't live there anymore. And like I was born in the United States, thank you very much. But at the same time, like I have a lot of pride for my country because I was raised in a house where, when you're in the house, you feel like you're in Afghanistan. You're not in America. Um, within my house, we always spoke Farsi or Dari, which is the ling- one of the languages of Afghanistan. And so, I have a very strong connection to my culture, and it's something I don't want to give up. Um, And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of Afghans share is that even if we were raised in the West, we have a lot of those values and morals and ideologies of what being an Afghan really is. And then when the U.S. and a lot of non-Muslims want to share things that just show the war and terror of Afghanistan, nothing, there's no benefit in that. There's what you're doing is you're just showing people dying. You're just showing um, all the downsides and the bad things, but people have never really shared how beautiful Afghanistan is as a country, what it was like before war. Um, A lot of people who have, uh, I think his name is Drew bazinski was one individual who was uh, non-Afghan who was speaking up about Afghanistan. And he's like, I've met some of the nicest people in my lifetime from Afghanistan. And that's because our culture is one that's about hospitality, it's about being welcoming, um, which is a shared value across a lot of Middle Eastern and Muslim cultures. Um, So that's something that I wish we could get into the media more, and that's something that's not really shared. Um, And I think a lot of Afghans do their best to represent that on social media. However, right now, with the way Afghanistan is being portrayed, that's not the message that's coming across to a
2: lot of people. I'm just happy that you mentioned the part about when people actually ask you uh, or tell you, I'm so happy you don't live there anymore. Coming onto that, the media represents so many Middle Eastern countries wrong that many people, when they know I'm Egyptian, they come up to me and they're like, how can you go there every summer? Isn't it super dangerous there? Uh, Isn't there like a war going on? I'm like, where do you hear all of that? Because there's nothing going on there. It's perfectly safe. And of course, no country is perfectly safe. I mean, of, of course I understand that, but it's not dangerous for me to go there, not even for tourists. And the media misrepresented everything to the fact that when people think about the Middle East, all they think about is war. Like war is so deeply connected with the Middle East so many Middle Eastern countries. Okay, I get that. So many Middle Eastern countries and let's just say so many countries out uh except the US and uh Europe, you always connect them with poor images. Uh war uh oh, I just I just lost I can't talk. Yeah <laughs> just um, yeah, yeah. everything no, 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 negative yeah. just everything negative.
0: Yeah, like war. Hunger, um, Hunger, women not yeah. having rights, um, children um, living like poorly. Basically, got... any Muslim country. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm North African. I'm Moroccan, and I got a lot of. We talked about this yesterday with Sarah. I had a, a friend um, in school. She asked me if I'm back in Morocco. I lived in the desert, and they was like, <laughs> "No. <laughs> Why is that? You know." And I was like, so you really think that I live in the desert desert and I go to places in camels, right? And she was like, well, yeah, I don't want to be racist, but... And I was like, no, just just stop it. bro. I had people ask me if I actually traveled by camels
2: and if actually people (laughs) live in the pyramids. And my mom, she's an Islamic teacher. She works as a teacher. And they were asking, why aren't you dressed like the pharaohs? And I was like... Please
0: are you serious? <laughs> like how can you <laughs> ask such stupid questions? Yeah, so and for that the solution that I find if you can't travel to those places is watch um travel influencers. Um like the guy you mentioned, a if I'm not wrong, he is the red-headed guy. Um yeah, he's that one. Um so he he traveled to every single country out there and he made a lot of vlogs and of that and you can see that the reality is not at all how the media represents it and how um we live back in our um birth countries. So, yeah, just do your research again, it's really easy to find that it's completely false, the whole um, narrative that, the mid- that all Middle Eastern countries are um, really poor and that um, they're really dangerous and their people are really backwards. That is absolutely not true. Um, so another question that I have is, How hypothetically (laughs) and um, what would have happened if the U.S. didn't go to Afghanistan at all after 9-11?
1: That's that's really hard to say. Again, I don't have as heavy of a political background, so I also. It would be hard for me to kind of analyze that situation, but. What I can say is that Afghans have always fought for themselves at the end of the day. It has the nickname of graveyard of empires um, because no one group was ever really able to rule Afghanistan for kind of an extended period of time because Afghans really value their independence and will always fight for it. Um, And so ultimately what I would hope is that essentially there would have been an uprising or that at one point or another, they would no longer have accepted it um, because that's not really a way to live life. The way that people lived under the Taliban, it wasn't one that really anybody enjoyed. um, Unless you were a misogynistic man um, and you had your ins with the Taliban, then maybe. Um, However, for the greater society, it's not something that would have, I hope wouldn't have lasted in the long run. And at this point, the way it's looking moving forward, It's going to be the Afghan people again versus the Taliban, because it looks what it does look like is everyone is stepping out of Afghanistan and they're really just leaving it fully in the hands of the Taliban. And so essentially, I feel like we'll see exactly how that would have played out because it's going to happen. Um, Again, it's not something we want to happen. It's not something that anyone wanted to see. Um, However, I think this is only the beginning of another long and sad story. Um, but it's something that we'll see in our lifetime. So we'll we'll see. I it's hard for me to say. I can't really give you like a good a good answer to that.
0: No, yeah, it's really complex. But um again, another hard um question, but it's just I want to put it out there. Um, do you think that maybe um there's a possibility of um starting a civil war again in Afghanistan? Because uh, how things are going now. I'm not saying like a good, bright future in like in Afghanistan. Sadly, you know, I hope it, it was different, but yeah, what do you think about it?
1: Yeah, again, that's kind of hard to say because we we see how things have gone um, in the past and civil war is something that is a possibility, but also the us has really drained a lot of the smarter individuals, a lot of those who were in seats of political power. Um, a lot of doctors, engineers, all of those people are the ones leaving Afghanistan. So who you're going to be left with, it's hard to say what's going to happen. Um, and it's really unfortunate because a lot of those individuals you need to build a society and you have the education and the tools and the resources are going to be leaving. And if you have people, a ton of people without an education, it's really hard to say like what's what's going to happen, like what the plan would be. Um, so yeah, that's... Again, just very, it'll, I think after the dust settles, um, which might even be another year until we really see what the future is going to hold, um, we won't really be able to say much of anything.
0: Yeah, so, and um, just to, I'm really sad to end the episode because we have a lot more to talk about, but we do have to start wrapping up this. How can we as non-Afghans or just like people outside of Afghanistan help Afghans?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. And that's one I think a lot of Afghans have been like wishing that other people would have asked. (laughs) Um, But I think one is just doing your best to amplify Afghan voices Um, So when you see posts by Afghan creators and you see that it's good information and that it's useful and resourceful, just repost it. Like that's such a simple thing to do is repost a credible source and say, hey, like do this to help. Um, This is something that you can do. And some, sometimes, actually a lot of the time, those Afghan creators will have a call to action. They'll ask you to sign a petition. They'll ask you to call your congressmen and women. I know right now on my Instagram bio, I have a document where individuals in the U.S. can look up their congress members and there's a script they can use. So when they call the hotline or the the number for the office, they can leave a voicemail calling for um, an increase in the a number of refugees being accepted is one of the things. So, those are methods um, and things that people can do to help. So, really, just making sure, like, follow a couple Afghan creators. When you hear of things going on in Afghanistan, continue to promote it. Um, and really, just don't be silent because at the end of the day, if you care about human rights and you care about what's going on to innocent individuals, it's something that should matter to you. Um, and we appreciate I have one it. More. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, after, after
1: you finish. I was going to say, we appreciate everyone who has been continuing to help us spread the word because Afghanistan is somewhere, is a place where a lot of people just don't pay a lot of attention to. So we appreciate it so much when people actually value our voices and take a second or a minute out of their day to really just hear what we have to say. And then at the end of the day, just talk in your friend circles with your own friends, like tell them about what's happening in Afghanistan, educate them, make sure that kind of everyone's aware of what's going on because ignorance is the worst thing that you can have when it comes to issues like this. So just doing your best to be educated, if you can't have a major impact, You don't know if the person you talk to has another friend and they have another friend and say that friend is someone in a position of power. So you never know what your voice can do. You can only hope and pray that it will reach the right people. Um, So that's that would be what I would recommend, Um, at least as from myself. I know a lot of other Afghans will have other opinions and things to say. I, again, am only one voice and can only really speak for myself. Um, But this is what I've heard from the community and what I would hope to pass on.
2: One more thing, Uh, we're actually hoping that um, you can send us uh, links and documents and everything that we can actually put in our bio and that people can actually go take action. Even if it's five people doing it, five is better than none. Um, And yeah, I actually had a really good time talking and getting to know everything that's been
0: going on. Wait, Sarah, I don't end the episode yet. I still have another question. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Um, so, Omar, I wanted to ask you because um I've seen that the opposite happened when um the topic of Palestine was trending that um Palestinians were asking to not donate directly to anyone in um Palestine because Palestinians won't have like the um like those that money won't reach uh, Palestinians in Palestine. So, should we donate? to Afghans in Afghanistan or should we do it to other people outside?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I have been posting resources for both. Um, there's some organizations helping refugees who are just landing in the United States. They, they face their own set of unique challenges. Um, and then in Afghanistan, there's been a lot of corruption in the past, especially with the government. So it's been hard to know where your money is going. Um, there are a few organizations I trust and I can pass along to you all. Um, one of them is Children's Without Borders. Um, they're one that I've donated to in the past and that I trust. Um, And I would say right now there has been a freeze in the banks and no one has been able to get money. However, they were hoping that it would clear up. I'm actually not sure if it has cleared up in the last 24 hours or not. Um, but slowly they're trying to get money and food, really just food and basic shelter and resources to individuals on the ground. Um, so yeah, I would say just make sure it's a reliable source. It's credible. Um, but we would appreciate any and all donations. Um, Just being a little careful with who you're donating to and making sure that those people are held accountable. Um, So yeah, I've, I've made a couple of videos and posted some resources. So always feel free to check out. I have like a little Afghan reel in my highlights and I'll continue to post things there. So if anyone wants to use that as a resource, they can always feel free.
0: Awesome. Um, just a correction. Um, for myself, I didn't mean Palestine. I I remembered it was Lebanon, not Palestine. <laughs> so yeah, it was Lebanon. I was just and about to I... say what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not Palestine. It's Lebanon. <laughs> um. So yeah. So um, one last question is um, what we shouldn't do as people living in um, not living in Afghanistan to help Afghans. Because, um, yeah, as much as we want to help everyone, we can't. And sometimes we think that we're doing the right thing and we're not doing it. So, what shouldn't we do when trying to help Afghans?
1: Yeah, I think. Um it's hard to say what not to do but one thing that came to my mind right away is posting the photos of any deceased individuals Um, i've seen a lot of photos circulating the internet of afghan kids um, maybe their parents just laying on the floor after um, after being shot or things like that and i think really just respecting that because at the end of the day At the end of the day, those are people, and their families are probably on social media. Their families are seeing those photos, and that's not something that they want to see or how they want to remember their loved ones. So, please, if you do see any of those photos, tell the person who posted it. Hey, um, I just want you to know that this might be a little insensitive um, to some of the families. Um, And it also dehumanizes kind of the suffering of the afghan people when people see this so frequently of all these bodies and all these things like that um it really desensitizes them to kind of what's actually going on um so that's one thing i would recommend for everyone who does want to help is just please call out individuals like via private message no need to blast them on social media like again those things should be dealt with in private um but let them know like hey please take this down um and then you yourself not posting that um aside from that i would say in terms of things not to do, um, is make sure that you don't generalize too much. I know it's very easy in these kind of conversations to generalize to a large population. Um, So when you do talk about um, Afghanistan or anything for that matter, try to be specific with the group that you're talking about. Are you talking about the refugees who are coming out? Are you talking about the people who are living there? Um, And also just not sharing propaganda about the Taliban because there's a lot of propaganda like you were saying earlier for those that like a lot of people you've been seeing are happy that the Taliban are coming back and that they're doing these things um there's a lot of propaganda just in the media right now regarding that um and from every single individual who I know who is Afghan and who values humanitarian not even humanitarian sorry um as Any Afghan who I know who values women's rights, women's health, um, everything regarding women and children's issues, education is a major one. Um, None of them want the Taliban to be in Afghanistan and they don't wanna live under the Taliban. Um, I know all of my family, my extended family, they're scared for their lives. Um, They are not sure what's going to happen or what's gonna come to pass. And so at the end of the day, what we ask is please don't spread any of that propaganda Um, and just be careful of the resources that you're sharing just make sure you look into it a little bit try to understand what is the message they're trying to bring across a lot of the time the western media is like look at the west saving afghans that's not the image that we want portrayed we don't need saving what happened is these countries destabilized us as we talked about a lot in this podcast and now they're trying to make it look like they're the savior Um, when in reality if you messed it up and made this whole situation a mess don't act like you're the one saving or rescuing anybody um, so those are some things i would say not to do uh, i hope that's useful um i know it's it's a lot but again we appreciate all the support that's coming out um recently in terms of people caring and wanting to hear more about Afghanistan.
0: thank you so much omar um one last thing i get i keep saying one last <laughs> thing but really now, one last thing um for those people who now are confused like wait, so what should I share? What shouldn't I share? My recommendation is go to Afghan activists and um, profiles all over social media and share those. Don't share what Fox News is saying or CNN or C- CBC or like any of those big um news media or whatever they are called. Don't share them because they are biased and they are heavily influenced by, by other like agendas and like, politics, and they're heavily biased, so keep um, sharing individual posts from people who know what they're talking about. And yeah, that is... We can actually set one thing straight. The
2: big media, like the big uh, media, like uh, I have in Belgium, VRT, and those things, they heavily share misrepresentation and misinformation relating to Afghanistan, the Taliban, and Islam. Like, they linked... Uh, the taliban with the sharia law and islam and they were like uh islam says that you have to do that and the comments under like people we do not need more hate from belgians towards us as being muslims and they said for example that uh the sharia law says that girls cannot uh study uh they don't have the right to study the girls have to cover their face and wear the burqa and this and this and that i was like like please don't share misrepresent misinformation because the islam doesn't say this Education, guys, education is actually a very important thing in Islam. Beside actually praying and doing all the five pillars, we have the, we we actually have to educate ourselves on a lot of things. And education is so important. And don't trust everything you see on the internet, because even though those uh, big companies are trying to educate you, it's not real. It's misrepresentation. Yep.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been a really good conversation. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Omar, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, don't forget to check the description box for Omar's social media. And don't forget to check our social media for all the resources that we will be um, sharing with you guys. Again, thank you so much and see you next week. Bye.